many years ago when people still used washboards and when they still took in laundry from other people as work, a young man who had recently graduated went and interviewed at a prominent company for a managerial position. He passed the first interview, but the owner of the company would conduct the final interview and he would make the choice on whether or not the young man would be hired for such an important business <coughs> position. Of course, through his uh, uh, looking at the young man and his past and through his records, he saw that his academic uh, life was excellent. There was never a year from middle school to postgraduate work when he was not the highest in the grade, always having the highest marks of anyone. He came in to sit for the interview, and the owner asked him if he had any scholarship help as he went through his years at the university, and he said, I had none. He said, well, then it was your father who paid for your tuition for school. He said, my father died when I was one year old, and my mother paid all of my tuition to go to school. He asked the young man, he said, where did your mother work? And he said, she washes clothes for other people. He looked at the young man, he said, let me see your hands. And he extended his hands and he saw two perfectly smooth hands. He said, do you ever help your mother with her laundry? And he said, no, she always wanted me to study more or read another book. And after all, she can wash clothes much faster than I can. The owner said as part of the interview, when you go home tonight, I want you to take your mother's hands and wash them for her under the water. And so he got home and he told his mother, he said, uh, let me wash your hands for you under the water. And she thought that was an odd request, but with mixed feelings, she extended her hands and he began to wash those hands. And for the very first time, he noticed exactly how wrinkled his mother's hands were. He noticed for the very first time and Anyone who's ever used a washboard can understand sometimes the, the hand will slip from over the clothing and a knuckle will go down the washboard and he saw those cuts and bruises and how gnarled looking her hands were and he began to cry. And as he began to cry, all of these things began to go through his mind and as he put his mother's hands under the water, she winced with pain because of the bruising and the painfulness of those hands. And after washing them, he quietly washed the rest of the clothes for his mother. And after that was finished, they had a long talk that night. His understanding that those very hands he held in his hands, those hands that had all the many cuts, all the many bruises, were in fact the very hands that was the price his mother paid for his graduation and for his success in life and for the great future that was before him. The next morning he went into the office to the owner of the company and the owner looked at him and asked him as he noticed tears in his eyes, he said, tell me what you did last night and what did you learn? The young man said, I washed my mother's hands and for the first time I learned some things and I finished washing all of her remaining clothes. The owner said, well, what was it that you learned? The young man said, number one, I now understand and appreciate that without my mother there would be no successful me. Number two, he said, working together and helping her, I now realize how difficult and 
tough a task it is to really accomplish anything in this life. He said, number three, I now have an appreciation for the importance of value. And I value family time and relationships. And the owner looked at him and said, that's exactly what I'm looking for in a man to hold this position in my company. I want to recruit someone who can appreciate the help of others. A person who knows the suffering of others in order to get things done. And a person who would not put money as his only goal. He said, you are hired. Now if we're able to make a sacrifice for others, the sacrifice that others make for us, more personal in our lives, I think that we are better able to understand sacrifice. When we do that, I think we understand completely, without a doubt, without Jesus, there would be no salvation in this world. Without Jesus, there would be no eternal glory. Without Jesus, it would be impossible for us to accomplish by ourselves what Jesus accomplished for us. I think we can understand that there is value in family, and not just our physical families, but our spiritual families as well. Then on that particular day when we meet God and we're standing before the Father, having learned those things and having properly applied them, I think that we will hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. With that in mind, I want us to turn our attention tonight for just a few moments to the ten lepers. Luke 17, beginning with verse 11, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise and go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. From this passage in Luke, we see the appreciation of one man and the selfishness of nine. I want us to learn from that. I want us to consider what Jesus did for all of us. And the title of the sermon tonight is, What He Did for Me. We begin our study by understanding and looking first at the threatened group. There were ten of those men. And they had a major concern in their lives because they were lepers. Leprosy, in essence, was a death sentence. And I do not believe Luke intended this passage to be chronological in nature, chronological in order, and it is often understood that the period of time between verses 10 and verse 11 is generally agreed that that is the period of time when Jesus raised His good friend Lazarus from the grave, John chapter 11. Following that greatest miracle that Jesus performed, at least that's recorded for us in the Bible, 
uh, having raised a man who had already begun to deteriorate in the grave, the Sanhedrin council all of a sudden decided they needed to murder that man. And so because of that, he was forced to leave. He had to withdraw into the country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, John eleven fifty four. And from there he began to travel to Jerusalem. This would be his final visit, ultimately culminating in his dying on the cross and giving himself and allowing his hands to be extended so that we might have life. Have you ever heard the statement that beauty is only skin deep? Leprosy goes all the way to the bone. It destroys the skin. It destroys the underlying tissues, the ligaments, and all of those things. It affects the skin. It looks terrible. Not only does it affect one physically, it affected one socially. They would become an outcast. Nobody wanted to be around a leper because it was highly contagious. No one wanted to sit next to a leper. No one wanted to speak face to face with a leper. And if you had leprosy, you had to keep your mustache covered according to the old law, meaning you had to have your mouth covered because as you spoke, and though we don't realize it when we speak to people today, normally uh, droplets of saliva will always leave the mouth and within that someone can catch the contagious disease of leprosy. So they had to keep their mouths covered. There was always also uh, blindness. Skin would become dry, especially noticeable around the face. The skin would become so dry that often the nose would fall off, the ears would fall off, anything that could be easily damaged and protruding out soft tissues could be damaged and fall off. There would be underlying muscle weakness. There would be all sorts of problems, the drying of the throat causing laryngitis, fingers falling off, toes falling off. And the person was always prone to infection. And so... Having leprosy meant you weren't going to be in this world for long. It also isolated the sufferer from society and there was a dark sense of hopelessness because there was no cure for leprosy. In fact, it was a death sentence. The terrible disease brought these men down to a common level. Remember, among them was a Samaritan. The other ones were obviously Jews, but when you have leprosy and you're all dying at the same rate the hierarchy kind of disappears doesn't it no longer do you look at someone as they are beneath you everyone's in the same boat everyone is suffering the same way and everyone is going to die the same terrible death I want us to think of leprosy as it has always been used throughout the Bible as a kind of sin leprosy has been used to stand in for sin. And we see that sin, much like leprosy, can go throughout one's life and affect every aspect of their life. We notice Achan, Joshua chapter 7, he defiled himself and his family and he was punished for that. The sin of Israel, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, separated them from God. And sin dooms all who take it for the wages of sin or death, Romans 6, 23. And that's exactly what leprosy done. And Christ was the answer for those men who suffered from something that no one else could cure. And we suffer from that exact same thing if we want to understand sin in our lives is 
is a killer. It is a death sentence if it goes untreated. Because of their very obvious and great concern, they cried out to Jesus. They realized who He was. They recognized His ability. They must have heard something about this great healer and His acts of kindness. After all, we read about blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, and the multitudes of people that Jesus had fed because of His compassion for the world. They must have known about that. So kind of in chorus... They lifted up their voice and they recognized His power by calling Him Master. That word Master used in this context means overseer or commander. And so they saw Him. And it was quite an effort that they had to make to be able to lift up their voices, having dry vocal cords, having squeaky voices. As they spoke, it was painful. But they lifted up their voices. And they wanted... The man who could respond. The only one who could fix what their problem was in the same stands good today. Can you imagine hearing ten squeaky voiced men who look like monsters? Other people afraid to even go around them. No one wanted to be in their presence. And what did the Lord do? He went right to them. And we learned something from them. In unison, they lift up their voice in pain. They cried for help. And that's exactly what the world ought to do today. The world is lost in sin. There's no cure for sin other than from Christ Jesus. And He has the cure and He wants to give it. We ought to all in unison lift up our voices and try our best to get out from under the death sentence of sin because Jesus has offered that to us. He's the only one who can deliver humanity from the scourge brought upon this world. Acts 4 verse 12, Luke recorded, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven by which man can be saved. We read in John 14 verse 6, The Lord said Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. And He encourages us today, recorded in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do we truly understand the wonderful sacrifice that Jesus made for us? Academically, we talk about it regularly. But emotionally, do we understand what the young man discovered when he took his mother's withered, wrinkled, beaten and bruised hands and began to wash them under the running water. For the first time understanding those were the hands that put him where he was in life. Those were the hands that allowed him to go to school, allowed him to graduate, allowed him to be successful in this life. It was those hands that did that. Can we look at Jesus and notice the hands and the scars on his hands? the piercing in his side, the scars on his feet, and understand that those are the hands that allow us to enter into heaven if we will only be obedient. Do we truly consider the sacrifice made for us personally? When we raise up our voices, we can be freed from the scourge of sin. And it was at that time and only then that this threatened group of men were able to 
be blessed with the thoughtful grace of Jesus. That's our second point. Of course, Jesus always has and had in the past and continues to have today throughout eternity a very unique perceptive understanding of what people need. From the burning bush, he understood what Moses needed. As he looked down upon Abram, he understood what he needed. As he looked at David and interacted through the prophets, he understood what that man needed. As he looked at the nation as a whole and begged and pleaded through the prophets to them, he understood exactly what they needed. He had a unique perception, and these lepers were no exception to that rule. He understood what living in leprosy meant. He understood the grief and the fear of what was coming. He knew exactly how they were feeling. He knows the hearts of all people and what we need, Acts 1, verse 24. He had only one one purpose in mind when he came to earth, and that was simply to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. So he understands and he perceives in a very divine manner on what we need and how we need it to be accomplished. Not only did he know what they needed, he knew when they needed it. The leper didn't have tomorrow necessarily. They didn't need help next week, next month, or next year. They needed help right now. That's how sin operates in the world. We need to be freed right now. We need help to defend against Satan and his devices right now. Paul recorded 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 talking about what we need in the present, at the present moment. He said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And that's how Jesus heals, isn't it? He heals right now. He doesn't heal like the fake healers of His time or the healers of today. They'll uh, claim to heal someone with, with a hidden pain that no one can decipher or can see. Jesus healed the blind, the sick, and the lame. He raised people from the dead. And He did it right now. He forgives sin, and when that happens, it happens right now. Once the requirements are met, the healing power begins. And that never ceases. He promised, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, Hebrews 13, 5. Jesus is perceptive. And He has a plan for what He perceived the world needed. His plan is and always has been God's plan. And concerning the lepers, the lepers had certain rules by which they had to live. We read Leviticus chapter 14 and We understand that for a leper to be declared clean, they had to present themselves to the high priest, and that's what the Lord told them to do. Go present yourselves to the high priest, showing him that they were cleansed. And now they were not shackled with this physical ailment that secluded them from the rest of the world. There was a plan of salvation concerning the leper. And there's a plan of salvation Today, and we understand what that is. We talk about it all the time. We talk about faith and repentance, confession, immersion in water, and we talk about faithful living, and we ought to talk about it. We need to constantly remind ourselves and those around us, those who we love, that 
We need to maintain our faithfulness. Can you imagine having a cure for something like cancer and, a, and someone having that disease and you simply not going and telling them about it? Well, that, that would never happen in this world, would it? But often we have the cure for sin and we keep it to ourselves. Without submission to God's plan, we can't be saved. What do you imagine would have happened to those ten lepers when he said, go present yourselves to the high priest if they had chosen not to do that? They would have died in their sickness at some point. But they chose to obey. And as they went, the record tells us, they saw that they were cleansed from their sin. When they began to demonstrate that obedience to what Jesus said, He simply said, go show yourselves. And they turned to do that, and they noticed they were cleansed. The plan works the same way today. When we obey the steps of salvation, we become instantly cleansed. We, we go down into the water and we come into contact with the blood of Jesus. Now here's the very wonderful thing about the blood of Jesus. It never stops flowing. Have you ever thought about that? As long as we walk in the light, 1 John 1, His blood continually cleanses us. It never stops flowing because we're always in need of its forgiving power. Now again, I want us to recall what was happening in this passage. There was a threatened group. We recognize God's thoughtful grace. And then we read about the thankful greeting by the Samaritan leper. We're told it was a Samaritan, but Jesus called him a stranger, also allowing us to understand he was a Samaritan. Those men were translated physically. God translates the person out of the darkness of sin into the light of victory, into the light of heaven, and it happens right now. It happens immediately. One is translated into the family of God upon obedience to Him. They were healed from leprosy, but nine did not truly appreciate it, did they? They could not come to understand what Jesus had done for them. Perhaps they were more concerned with wanting to uh, re-engage in the life in which they had. They didn't consider how they gained it. Now, the one leper, not only was he translated, he was transformed. He was a changed man, wasn't he? The Samaritan leper was converted and he came to Jesus and he fell down before him and he worshipped him. He honored the very man who gave him life because he was going to die. I want us to think of ourselves today. I want us to look into our lives and I want us to consider where we are with Jesus. I need to do it and we all need to, don't we? We need to look at our position with Christ and am I saved today? Am I saved? Have I done the things Jesus has asked me to do? I think the question for us today is, have I maintained what Jesus has asked us to do? As we look out among ourselves, we understand we're all Christians. Have we maintained what Jesus has done? Do you know how those lepers were healed? They were healed in the exact same way that a person is healed from sin today. They were healed by grace through faith, Ephesians 2 verse 8, 
And they demonstrated that faith through obedience. Hebrews chapter 11. Just read the whole chapter. That's how we're saved, isn't it? And we have to understand how we gain relief from our sins. We have to recognize what Jesus done. We have to be appreciative of that. We need to make it personal. I need to look back in my history and I need to be ashamed of those things of which are worthy of shame. I need to recognize that I've been forgiven of that through the love of Christ, through His grace, because I certainly don't deserve it. That very relief is possible only through the sacrifice of our Lord. His love for us saved us, and His actions demonstrated it. We need to always be searching our souls and examining ourselves. And that's what Paul told those in Corinth. In his second letter, he said, examine yourselves. You know whether you're in the faith or whether you're not in the faith. And we need to always be truly thankful to God for what He's done. We need to regularly read the biographical accounts of our Lord. We need to look at the hands that He extended for Thomas to look at as He put His fingers in those holes in His hand. We need to consider the... the the spear mark on his side when he was stabbed with the spear and pierced and the blood in the water rang out, uh, ran out and, and Thomas put his hand in his side. We need to consider that on a very personal level. And when we consider the sacrifice of others on a personal level, it becomes to mean a whole lot more to us. We need to show the same our love toward Jesus the same way in which he demonstrated his love through action. That's necessary. Christ placed certain requirements on us. And if, he lo- if we love Him, we will obey Him. Consider that tonight. Where are you with Christ? What's your relationship as we stand and as we sing?